Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. I invite you to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to Psalm 90. Again, the 90th Psalm. Moses, the writer of the Pentateuch, that is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, Deuteronomy, wrote this psalm. So Psalm 90. And he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength eighty, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's go before our Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to assemble in safety and peace this morning. Lord, you are the lawgiver, but you are also the, the grace giver. And Father, I pray that if there be those that are not saved in our midst this morning, that they be saved. Lord, that you'll be pleased to have mercy on their souls. Lord, that those that are backsliding, Lord, that you will call them back home. Lord, I thank you for the truth that your saints will, preserve, will be preserved by you. That you are the ones that are the one that is holding us. We are not holding on to you. But Lord, let us be faithful, dutiful people. So we come before you, a needy people, looking to a gracious, almighty, powerful God. Use the preacher to proclaim your truth. Let not man be exalted, 
But let Christ and the triune God receive much glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Please direct your attention back to Psalm 90, verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Profound words written by Moses under the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Under the power of the Spirit, these are words composed by a man who was once in the courts of Pharaoh, the pagan monarch of Egypt, who believed that he himself was a god. Moses would eventually run away from Egypt for fear of his life after he killed a man. He was raised in paganism, away from the comfort of his Hebrew culture and religion, and he eventually, he was eventually driven away entirely from his people and everything that he ever knew in Egypt. Hebrews eleven twenty four through 26 reads, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. In God's providence, he determined that Moses would marry a Midianite woman named Zipporah. Zipporah's father was Ruel, who was also called by the name Jethro. He was the priest of Midian. According to Strong's Hebrew dictionary, the name Ruel means friend of God. Moses would work for Jethro by caring for the family sheep, working in the family trade. Like his ancestor Jacob before him, God used the years in the wilderness to shape Moses, to mold Moses, to humble Moses, to make him the man that God desired him to be. Indeed, God uses means. God uses churches, parents, jobs, schools, Christians, and non-Christians. Our God uses all things and everything. Romans 8, 28-29 reads, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. Moses writes in Psalm 90, verse 1, Lord, You have been our dwelling place in all generations. Moses is saying, Lord, You have been our refuge. You have been our stronghold. You have been our mighty fortress. This is stated by a man who would never get to touch the soil of the promised land. We are told that Moses was able to peer into, to look into, to overlook into the the promised land, but he would never enter the promised land during his lifetime because of his sin against God. 
In Numbers 20, we are told that Moses disobeyed God and in anger he struck the rock two times with his staff that would produce water for the people. But God commanded him to speak to the rock. But again, Moses hit the rock. He struck it twice in anger. Brothers and sisters, when you feel anger, when you feel hatred and rage rising inside of you, humble yourselves before the Lord. Indeed, we serve a precise God. He makes the rules, and they are clearly outlined in the pages of sacred Scripture. Please turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32, and we will begin in verse 48. Deuteronomy chapter 32, beginning in verse 48. That very day, Yahweh spoke to Moses, Go up this mountain of Abarim, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, opposite Jericho, and view the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel for a possession, and die on the mountain which you go up, and be gathered to your people, as Aaron your brother died in Mount Hor, and was gathered to his people, because you broke faith with me in the midst of the people of Israel, at the waters of Meribah Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, and because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the people of Israel. For you shall see the land before you, but you shall not go there into the land that I am giving to the people of Israel. Moses is now presently with God and Jesus in heaven. But one day, Moses will enter the final promised land, the new heaven and the new earth, and he will dwell with God and Jesus for all eternity. May that be true of you today, my friend. Do you know God? And have you met the Messiah? Please turn back with me to Psalm 90. Moses says that God has been their dwelling place in all generations. Moses followed the same God, the only God who Adam and Eve worshipped. The same God that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob praised. They serve the same God that we acknowledge today as God. But they were looking to the promised Messiah which we see today as Christians in full view. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. Please turn with me now back to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Looking at verse 15. Deuteronomy chapter 18, looking at verse 15. 15. Yahweh your God will raise up for you a prophet like me 
from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. This is Moses speaking here. Just as you desired of Yahweh your God at Horeb, on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of Yahweh my God, or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And Yahweh said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. The prophet that we see here in the text, this is, this is pointing towards the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord God says to Satan in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Jesus was the promised seed and the offspring of the woman. And indeed, Christ has triumphed over Satan and the kingdom of darkness. And He is actively ruling and reigning. And yes, at this very moment, God would eventually command Moses and Aaron and the people of Israel to build a tabernacle that would be the place where the presence of God would dwell. Remember that God is everywhere present. And God the Son is literally sustaining all creatures as we sit here today. As the words are flowing out of my mouth, so our great God sustains me this very moment. And He will sustain you, dear Christian. Exodus 25, verse 22 reads, it's referring to the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh. It reads, There I will meet you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the Ark of the Testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. The presence of God would be present in a special way in the tabernacle above the mercy seat. In the Holy of Holies, behind the thick curtain, eventually, in human history, a temple of stone, wood, gold, and bronze would be built by King Solomon. But that temple would eventually be destroyed by the Babylonians. A second temple would be built by the Hebrews under Persian captivity, but that temple would be destroyed in 70 A.D. During Jesus' earthly ministry, He declared, Destroy this temple, and I will rebuild it in three days. As many of you know, He was referring to His body, which like Jonah, would not be left for dead. In a similar way to how the great fish spat Jonah up on the dry land, so the Lord Jesus would rise again from the grave. Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 reads, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and heard, and you heard my voice. King David prophesied of the Lord Jesus when he wrote Psalm 16. 
Psalm 16, verse 10. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. King David, and eventually the prophet Jonah, would rot in the grave. But Jesus, our great King, never decomposed. His flesh never rotted in the grave, because He has risen. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The second temple would be destroyed, never to be rebuilt again. But the greater temple, the Lord Jesus Christ, is seated at the right hand of the Father. And He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you know Him? Please direct your attention to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8, directing your attention to verses 1 through 7. Hebrews chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for the priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent... He was instructed by God saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant. He mediates his better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if, the fir- if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. Indeed, Christ is our great intercessor, our almighty high priest. In God's gracious love, He made Christians today temples of the Holy Spirit. For our God dwells within Christians. Have you been born again? Do you have a desire to know Him? Do you love His truth and want to see your life conform to the picture presented to us in Holy Scripture? If that is true of you, then praise the Lord. Praise God that you are a living stone of His church with Christ being the the cornerstone. Ephesians 2, verses 12 through 22 reads, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure 
being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Indeed, God is our refuge, our strong tower, our protector, and our dwelling place in all generations. I hope that is a reality in your life today. That you are hidden in in Christ. Never to be lost. Always in Him. And loved for all eternity by our monotheistic triune God. Please direct your attention back to Psalm 90. Moving back to Psalm 90. Directing your attention to verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Before Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Even before the creation, God was God. Yahweh describes His creation work to Job. Let's look there now. Please turn with me to Job 38. Job 38. Looking at verse 1. Job 38, looking at verse 1. Then Yahweh answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were the bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? God has never learned anything. That's, that's a heretical doctrine going around right now in popular in, in circles, in contemporary circles, that people believe that God is learning things throughout the ages. No, not at all. God has never learned anything. He doesn't need reminders because He possesses all wisdom and knowledge. And true wisdom and knowledge comes from God. Before Adam and Eve were brought forth, Before the rivers, lakes, streams, deserts, beetles, felines, rodents, fish, reptiles, hills, valleys, and mountains were made, God was God. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. There was never a time that God has not been God. He has always been, and He will forever be. That's why it's so important in the the doctrine of Christology, the doctrine of Christ, that we understand that God the Son took to Himself a human body. Understand that is the Trinity has always been one and always will be one, but God the Son took to Himself a human body. Revelation 1.8 I am the Alpha And the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. 
Question 7 from the Baptist Catechism, from Keech's Catechism, reads, What is God? Answer, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in His being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. End quote. Indeed, God is not mutable. He cannot be changed, changed, modified, or altered. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Please turn back to Psalm 90, looking at verse 3. Psalm 90, looking at verse 3. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. The Lord God cursed Adam in Genesis 3.19. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The theologian Herman Bovink wrote, Preservation is no less a divine work than creation. Preservation is no less a divine work than creation. King Solomon proclaims in Ecclesiastes 12.7, And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Psalm 104 verse 29 reads, When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. Looking at Psalm 90 verse 4, For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, or as a watch in the night. God is outside of time. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 reads, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Time was created by God, and we have the historical record of that in the beginning pages of our Bibles in the book of Genesis. Again, God is outside of time. We are told that our gracious God did the following in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3-5. through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for, ado- for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. Isaiah 46, verse 10 reads, Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. He is indeed good. And our God has declared everything from eternity past. Please direct your attention to verses 5 and 6 of Psalm 90. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. In the evening it fades and withers. Please turn with me to Job chapter 22. Back a book, Job 22. Looking at verse 15. 
Job 22, reading verses 15 through 17. Will you keep to the old way that the wicked men have trod? They were snatched away before their time. Their foundation was washed away. They said to God, depart from us. And what can the Almighty do to us? The King James Version translates or renders verse 16 as the the following. Which were cut down out of time, whose foundation was overthrown with a flood. This could possibly be pointing back to the worldwide flood in Noah's day. And likewise, the wicked will be destroyed in a similar fashion, but it will not be with water. Please turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, reading verses 4 through 7. 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 4. They will say, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction for the ungodly. God loves his people. But he also hates the wicked. Psalm 7, verse 11. God is a righteous judge and a God who fills indignation every day. God doesn't just hate sin. He hates the sinner. Because mankind, since Adam's fall, has been in rebellion at war against God. But God is also patient, loving. And the lawgiver is also the grace giver. When men of old would pray, they would often end their prayers by saying, for Christ's sake, They would say this because we have no right to call upon the name of God if it were not for the work of Christ who died for sinners on a tree. Christ alone achieved our reward and we rest in His righteousness alone. We can only approach God in prayer because of Christ, for Christ's sake. The Westminster Larger Catechism question 108 reads, To pray in the name of Christ is in obedience to His command and in confidence to His promises to ask mercy for His sake, not by bare mentioning of His name, but by drawing our encouragement to pray and our boldness, strength, and hope of acceptance and prayer from Christ and His mediation. For Christ's sake, in Jesus' name. O sleeper, I call you to awake. 
May your dry bones come to life. And may you walk away from your sins to follow Jesus. May you know the peace and mercy of God, not His righteous indignation. Psalm 90, verse 5. Let's turn back there now. Psalm 90, verse 5. It reads, They are like a dream. The New American Standard Bible renders, They fall asleep. Life is brief. It is short. Life is like a dream. Like a nap. Like a rest that is there and then gone. The verse continues, like grass that is renewed in the morning. And verse 6, in the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. Please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40. Moving to the right in your Bible, Isaiah chapter 40, looking at verse 6. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of Yahweh blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. One day, you will die. One day, you will die. Young person, middle-aged person, Older person, one day you will stop breathing. Is the reality of Psalm 90 verse 1 a reality in your life? Is our great God your dwelling place? One of the blessed truths that a Christian clings to in this life is knowing that God is good and that He does good and He will keep us to the end. But we as Christians must experience fellowship with God today and every day. If I tell you that I love my wife, but I never talk to her, or if I never even look at her, would you believe that I love her? Your private religion is of the utmost importance. Some people may say that's legalism. No. We are saved by Christ alone. We are saved through grace alone. Salvation is a work of God. But we as Christians are called to obedience. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 14. O my dove... In the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face. 
Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Have you shown God your face? Has he heard your voice? Meaning, have you called on him? Have you sang to him recently? For it reads, your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. The Song of Solomon is not just a romance between a man and his wife. It contains deep and rich language about Christ and his church. If you are his child, spend time with your Heavenly Father. It's for your good. It's for your good, Christian. Delight in Him. Christians, we are blessed to have the Holy Spirit living within us. But I don't think we value the weightiness of that. That God, the Holy Spirit, lives within us. How important it is to walk in step with sacred Scripture. Earlier in our service, our brother read Revelation 21. I would like to revisit that chapter now. Revelation 21, last book in our Bibles. Revelation chapter 21. We will begin in verse 1. Revelation 21, directing directing your attention to verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven... And the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Now, please go to the last chapter of the text in your hands of Revelation 22. Looking at Revelation 22, down to verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Dear friend, dear brother, sister, Have you washed your robes? Have you removed the stain, the filth, the vileness, and perversion of your heart? You can't do this by yourself. Cry out to Jesus. Jesus declares in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The last text that I'll draw your attention to is verse 17. Revelation 22, looking at verse 17. The Spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. And let the one who is thirsty come. 
And let the one who desires to take of the water of life without price. Christ Jesus paid the price. May He be your delight, your cleansing fountain. There's no other mediator between God and man but the Lord Jesus Christ. May you be able to say with Moses, You have been our dwelling place in all generations. Humble yourself before Him today. And if you know Him as a dwelling place, then continue to delight in Him and praise Him for His work within you. Let's pray. Father, I thank You that our salvation doesn't depend on our obedience. That our salvation doesn't depend on doing. I thank You that our salvation doesn't depend on reading and praying and even looking to You because all the work that is in us is of grace. And we thank You, we thank You and we praise You for sending our Lord Jesus Christ down to us. Father, I pray as Your Gospel went forth, that you will encourage saints that they may delight in you. Lord, that your people will love you. That your people will delight in singing to you and praying to you and reading your word and fellowshipping with fellow brothers and sisters. Father, please save all those that do not know you. For Lord, we look to you and we thank you. There is no boasting in ourselves because it is all a work of grace. And we praise you for your great grace and your mercy. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.